All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome, and it's great to see you here today. I hope you've had a good week. I also hope you've had a good summer. And I say that because despite the fact that we're supposed to hit the 90s today and most of the week, I feel like summer is pretty much over. I feel that way when the kids and the teachers go back to school. Uh, This year at our house, we have a couple of trees in our yard that have already lost a bunch of leaves. That feels really early to me. And for me, summer has just felt especially short. And I'm kind of sad about that. But you know what? It's, It's not all bad. Because fall means some good things. Uh, Fall means football. So I'm excited about that. Fall means here at church, our youth groups are back on Sunday night. And uh, you heard this morning, our fall kickoff for youth group is tonight. That's going to be a great time for middle school and high school students. But fall is also a time when we start new small groups at Plum Creek. And our church has two kinds of small groups. You can see this in the insert in your bulletin this morning. Uh, First, if you're not familiar with these, uh, we have something called life groups. Uh, Life groups meet from September through early May. And in these groups, you get together with about 10 to 15 people. Uh, You build relationships, you pray together, you read scripture together, and you apply it to your lives. Now, uh, a lot of these small groups meet in homes, not all of them. Some of them meet at the church. They meet on different nights throughout the week. And the groups will begin the week of September 10th. So this is the perfect time to go ahead and sign up. And you can do that at plumcreek.org slash smallgroups. And on this page, you'll find all the groups that still have space available. And you want to jump on this because when a group fills up, it will disappear from that page. In fact, a couple of groups are already full. So I encourage you to, to go ahead and do that. Now, this year, we have some tools on the website that would help you find the right group for you. Uh, For one, you can now sort by day. Uh, If you need a group that meets on Sundays, you can just select that day, and it'll bring up the Sunday groups. You can also pull up a map that shows the different locations from Arcadia all the way down to Falmouth. We're really excited to have a Falmouth life group this year. And as you look at the options, I wanted to mention two life groups that have kind of a a, a unique focus. The group that I'm leading is specifically for parents. Because, man, if you're raising kids in today's world, you know that is a huge challenge. So in this group, we're going to encourage each other. We're going to find wisdom in God's Word. The other unique group I wanted to mention is going to be led by Jared Perkins. And Jared's group uh, is specifically for anyone who has come to Plum Creek over the last year. So if you're new around here, uh, this group may be the perfect place for you to get plugged in. So again, life group signups start today. But I also wanted to mention the other kind of small groups we have at Plum Creek. These are called Bible study electives. And these groups meet here at church on Sunday mornings during the 930 service. And we have two women's groups, one men's group, and we have two new electives right now. Uh, This summer, Sam Reinhart started a Bible study that's for anyone between the ages of 18 and 25. And there is a real need for this group. So even if you're not in this age group, I hope you'll uh, spread the word. If you are in that age group, I hope to sign up. 
And then finally, we have a new elective that's starting on September 10th, and it runs for just five weeks. So this is the perfect place to jump in if you're new around here. It's a short-term commitment. Uh, Evan Cott is leading this group. It's called Acts and Beyond. And they're going to look at the earliest Christians, see how they lived out their faith, and see how we can follow their example. Now, technically, you don't have to sign up to be part of a Bible study elective, but we would love for you to do that because it helps us to know that you're coming. And you can sign up on that same page, plumcreek.org slash smallgroups. All right, we need to get to our big theme for August, love your neighbor. We've been in this sermon series for several weeks now, and this is about learning to obey the second greatest commandment, according to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 22, a man came up to Jesus and he said, out of all the commandments that God gave us in the law, which one is the greatest? And then in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So that's where we get the title of this series, Love Your Neighbor. And you know, love your neighbor sounds like a pretty simple command. But if you tried this, you know it's not easy to get it right. In fact, Jesus is the only person in history who got this right. So we're looking to him in this series. We're seeing different, different episodes of his life, and we're letting him teach us how to love our neighbors. And we're focusing on the people who live right around us, our literal neighbors. And on a church-wide level, that means northern Kentucky, especially Campbell County and Pendleton County. On an individual level, that means the people in your neighborhood, uh, especially your eight closest neighbors. That's our focus. And throughout the month of August, we've had these weekly challenges and events that help us be good neighbors in our community. And we had two events just this past week. On Tuesday, we hosted a blood drive right over here. It was inspired by Alan Palatka. Alan has been a member of Plum Creek for over 30 years now. And he has a medical condition that requires him to receive blood regularly. And there are hundreds of people around Cincinnati in a similar condition. But after that blood drive on Tuesday, we got a message from Sandra, the representative from the Hawksworth Blood Center. And I want to share some of the message she sent to us. Sandra said, thank you so much for hosting a blood drive and working so hard to recruit donors. You guys had an amazing day. You were the highlight for our community blood drives yesterday, which is pretty cool. She said 60 donors made appointments, 22 were first-time donors, which is phenomenal. And then she said, as you know, Hawksworth is the sole provider of blood products to over 30 hospitals in our area, and your blood drive has helped 147 patients in our community. The blood collected at your drive goes to save the lives of our neighbors, family, and friends. I'd say that's a, a good example of what it means to love your neighbor. So to all of you who participated in this, thank you. We really appreciate your help. 
Now, on Friday night, uh, we had a very different kind of Love Your Neighbor event. A group from Plum Creek threw a, a tailgate party right before the Campbell County High School football game. And we just set, in the parking, set up in the parking lot. Uh, we had some music. We gave out a ton of free hot dogs and other snacks. And we just looked for opportunities to connect with people. And yeah, that's a simple way to reach out. But we know that God uses simple things in a big way. And that's what we're praying for. Not just in the month of August and not just over the course of this series. We're praying that God will help us show his love to everyone around us every single day. We're praying that God would use our church, Plum Creek, to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus and ultimately just transform our community. So let's listen to what God has to say to us in his word this morning. Uh, the title of today's sermon is called The Art of, Ser of Serving. And if we want to love our neighbors well, we need to take on this identity, the identity of a servant. And of course, Jesus showed us exactly how to do that. And there are many examples in Scripture where he lived out this mindset of a servant. But today we're going to look at one of the most shocking examples. It's the, the story where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And we find this story in the Gospel of John chapter 13. And if you have a Bible or a Bible app with you, you go ahead and pull that up, John, 3, uh, John chapter 13. Uh, we're going to start with verse 1 here, so follow along with me. John says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, this verse sets the stage for us. Uh, this is the night of the Last Supper, and Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. They're about to celebrate the Passover together. And what happens on the very next day? The day after this, Jesus goes to the cross. And he lays down his life. He becomes that perfect sacrifice. He takes our place, takes the punishment that we deserve. And right here, on the night before the crucifixion, Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen, right? Absolutely, he knows. So let's think about this. I have a scenario for you. Let's say that you are about to go through something really difficult. Uh, maybe you're about to go in for a major surgery, something like that. And let's also say that you are surrounded by family and friends on the night before that surgery. Now, in that scenario, what would your mindset be? What would, what would you be thinking? Are you thinking, hey, I've got these friends and family around me. I wonder what I could do for them right now. Maybe they need help in some way. Maybe there's some way I can help them. Is that what you would be thinking? Maybe some of us would, but I don't think that's what comes naturally. I think it comes naturally to say, guys, thank you for being here. I need your support right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing to ask for support when you need it. But that's a little different than what we just saw here in this verse, John 13, 1. What did it say about Jesus? It said, he loved his disciples to the end. That's what he was thinking about. This is what he's doing. At a time when Jesus was facing his own arrest, 
his own torture, his own execution. He's thinking about his friends. He was thinking about the the ways that he would show his love for the disciples in a tangible way. So what does Jesus do? Look at verse 4. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, obviously, uh, first century Jewish culture uh, was very different than our culture today. And they did things like this, foot washing. But we need to understand the level of humility that Jesus shows here. This is extreme. In in those days, people walked almost everywhere they went. And, And the roads were dusty, they were dirty, and people almost always wore sandals, not closed toed shoes. So foot washing was important. It was a necessity. And that job was usually performed by a household servant or a slave. So the disciples would not have expected Jesus to do a job like this. For these disciples, Jesus was their rabbi. He was their leader. And by this point, he had proved himself to be the Messiah, God's anointed king. King doesn't do stuff like this. So when, when he wrapped his towel around his waist and he started washing those feet, the disciples would have felt like, this is strange. It, it, feels, it doesn't feel appropriate. It's not right. It kind of reminds me of a time years ago, back when I was in youth ministry. I was on a mission trip in Mexico. And the leaders of this trip decided to have a foot-washing ceremony as part of a worship service that we had there. And a lot of the younger people were fine with it. They were like, sure, let's do it. Let's wash each other's feet. But there was one woman who was different. When the leaders announced what we were about to do, she stood up and she said, I want no part of this. And she just bolted out of the room. And for her... There was something really uncomfortable about that whole idea. Back at the Last Supper, some of the disciples were uncomfortable with what Jesus was doing. Check it out, verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. At first, Peter wanted this activity to be optional. He's like, nope, sorry, Jesus, this does not sit well with me. I can't let you do this. But Jesus wanted Peter to understand there's something bigger going on here. He's he's saying to Peter, this is not just an activity. This is my identity. And if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you first need to accept who I am. And then you need to become who I am. And as we just read, Peter eventually came around. He did not want to be cut off from Jesus. So, Jesus washed Peter's feet. And 
Throughout that night, Jesus moved slowly around the room, and he washed every one of those 24 dirty feet, one at a time. When the job was done, Jesus explained why he did what he did. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So this act of serving was not meant to be a one-time event. Jesus said to his followers, I have set you an example here. Go and do for each other what I have done for you. In other words, take on the identity of a servant. This needs to be who you are. So get rid of your pride. Get rid of your selfishness. Stop trying to be great by stepping on other people and climbing the ladder and making a name for yourself. For one thing, uh, as we read these, uh, these instructions from Jesus, we, we think about how the disciples would have heard that. It made sense in that culture, this foot-washing activity. But then we think about how it sounds in our culture. And, and since Jesus gave these instructions, that, that brings up a question. Why do we not wash each other's feet when we come together at church? It's a good question, and I'll give you a, a couple of answers. Uh, for one thing, as we read the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we don't see the early Christians having regular foot-washing ceremonies. Uh, but here's another reason. If we did have a ceremony like that every week or every month or whatever, it would be very easy to read this passage and be like, yep, we can check off that box. We did exactly what Jesus told us to do. But the reality is, this command from Jesus, it's not about a specific event or a special ceremony. He wants us to take that attitude of a servant into everyday life, into every situation that we encounter. And that is a lot more challenging, isn't it? So let's get to the application. How can this story help us love our neighbors? Now, what does it look like to be a servant to the people who live right around us? Well, we should start with the why question. Why, why serve in the first place? You know, we don't, we don't like to admit this, and we don't like to say it out loud, but sometimes we're more interested in serving because we think we'll get something out of it. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, back in 2010, uh, when Hannah and I lived in Savannah, Disney World ran a special promotion. It was called Give a Day, Get a Disney Day. It was really pretty cool. All you had to do was volunteer for a local charity or nonprofit in your area for just one day, and then you'd get a free one-day ticket to Disney World. It's pretty awesome. So Hannah and I did this. We volunteered with Meals on Wheels in Savannah, and it only took a couple hours. And then a few weeks later, we found ourselves walking around the Magic Kingdom free of charge. But guess what? After that whole experience, 
Hannah and I never volunteered with Meals on Wheels ever again. And if I'm being honest, I served that one day mainly because of what I got out of it. And usually it's not that blatant, but the truth is sometimes we serve because there's something in it for us. For example, you might serve because it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like a good person. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, to, to some extent, this is how God has wired the world. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus said that here. You will be blessed if you do these things. So that's not a, a, something to apologize for. But for followers of Jesus, that's not the main reason why we serve. If our primary motivation is self-centered, we're not going to keep serving when it gets tough. So what's a better incentive? Well, there are several things we could talk about, but I'll give you one big motivation. We serve to be like Jesus. This is at the very core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. By definition, a follower of Jesus is someone who follows Jesus. It just makes sense, right? And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. Check this out. Um, Paul said, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of what? servant, being made in human likeness. And it goes back to what Jesus was communicating to the disciples. Being a servant was not an activity for him. It was an identity. And if we want to be authentic Christians, we need to follow his lead. We need to be servants, not just serve, but be servants, loving our neighbor in word and in action. But like I said at the beginning, it's not easy to love our neighbors in the way that Jesus did. But you know what? It is possible. I know that it's possible because I've seen it, and you've probably seen it too. So think back. When was the last time you saw someone serve in a way that reminded you of Jesus? I can give you a, a recent example. Uh, until just a few weeks ago, my dad was living down in Tennessee, uh, he lived in the same house for over 25 years, and uh, after my mom passed away four years ago, he lived by himself. And dad had a next-door neighbor named Lynn. As far as I'm concerned, Lynn deserves to be inducted in the Good Neighbor Hall of Fame. Uh, my dad is in his 90s, and Lynn just checked on him all the time. Uh, sometimes she'd make him dinner or dessert or things like that, bring it over, uh, then about a month ago, when Dad got very sick, uh, Lynn called me while I was down in Honduras on a mission trip, and she let me know what was going on. The next day, before I had time to arrive, uh, she took him to the doctor. And then when I flew up to Tennessee, Lynn drove 40 minutes to the airport to pick me up. I mean, the list goes on and on. And at every turn, she's been more than a neighbor. She's been a servant. Now, of course, None of us can do that much for everybody. You can't do that much for your eight closest neighbors. It's not possible, but we can all serve someone. So very quickly, 
Let's look at three ways that we can serve others based on the example of Jesus. First, we need to serve out of love. And this is actually the deepest motivation of all. And we're going to talk about this more next week. But today we'll keep it simple. What does it mean to serve out of love? It means we just do what God did for us. He took the initiative. He loved us first. In Romans 5.8, Paul says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God didn't wait until we were lovable. He didn't wait until we cleaned ourselves up. While we were sinners, while we were in rebellion against him, Jesus took the initiative. He served us by dying in our place despite the fact that we didn't deserve that sacrifice in any way, shape, or form. So for us to follow that pattern, we can't just look around for people who are easy to love. We just serve whoever God puts in front of us. And here's another way to follow the example of Jesus, to be a true servant. We need to serve with humility. And don't forget, Jesus humbled himself in a way that was extreme. You know, in our world, we don't mind serving people who are kind and appreciative, uh, people who treat us well. But think back on that story we just read. Whose feet did Jesus wash again? There were some rough characters in that group. For one, there was a doubter. Remember doubting Thomas? Just a few days later, uh, Thomas had that infamous moment where he doubted Jesus. He, he doubted the promises that Jesus made about what would happen, that he would die and on the third day be rose, and third day uh, rise again. There was also a denier in the group that night, Simon Peter. Peter talked a big game at the Last Supper, uh, but a few hours later, he denied that he even knew Jesus. Peter abandoned his friend when Jesus needed him most. And Jesus knew ahead of time that Peter was going to do this, right? He called it. While they sat at dinner, Jesus told Peter, this very night you will disown me three times. And still, even with that knowledge, Jesus insisted on showing his love for Peter by washing his feet. But there is one more thing that's the most shocking of all to me. Among the disciples that night, there was a betrayer, Judas Iscariot. He was a two-faced, backstabbing, fake friend. And Jesus washed his feet too. Now, back at your home, you may not live next to a doubter or a denier or a betrayer, hopefully, uh, but you may very well have a neighbor who is annoying <laughs> or difficult or maybe negative and critical. And, man, that gets tough, doesn't it? How do you serve the people who aren't easy to serve? It kind of seems strange. Why, why would you do that? It, it almost seems inappropriate. But if you've been the recipient of God's grace and forgiveness, it's really not that strange. It's doing what he did for us. 
What did Jesus do? He made himself nothing. He didn't put himself above others. Now, he had the right to do that. We don't have the right to do that. We could say, hey, I don't deserve all the good that God has done for me. And from there, it's easier to extend that grace to others. This is what it looks like to serve with humility. But I'll tell you something else. You know what else requires humility? Sometimes, serving others is not the problem. It's letting others serve you. You don't like to be the one who needs help. You have no problem with giving. You just don't like receiving. But guess what? When you let others serve you, that's just another way to serve them. You see how that works? Remember, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So that means you can bless someone by letting them be a blessing to you. It's a little counterintuitive. I'll tell you what, on, on the street where we live, we have some amazing neighbors. And if I'm being honest, some of them have shown far more kindness to me than what I have shown them. And on the one hand, I feel kind of bad about that. On the other hand, though, as we try to learn the art of serving, we should also learn the art of receiving. It's a little like Peter, isn't it? He did not want to let Jesus wash his feet. But Jesus helped Peter understand that sometimes the best thing you can do is let someone else serve you. I have one last way that we can serve like Jesus. If you want to follow his example, you need to serve with perseverance. Just keep at it. The reality is uh, a one-time act of serving, that's no big deal. Anyone can do that. The challenge is making this a lifestyle. The challenge is making this your identity. A true follower of Jesus is in this for the long haul. Sometimes serving people is frustrating. Sometimes it gets discouraging. On certain days, you may feel like you're not making a difference at all. And on those days, you might be tempted to just put your head down and focus on your own life. But if we do that... We're drifting away from the reason why God created us in the first place. Let's go back. Why are we even here? Why do we exist? We know the answer, don't we? What, what did we hear earlier? From Jesus. We're created to love God. That's the most important thing we can do in life. We're created to worship Him and bring Him glory. And then, second, we're created to love our neighbor how much? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them just as much as you love yourself. And wow, that is a tall order. If, if we're going to serve like that with perseverance, we need help. We need encouragement. And that's the whole point of this series. In the month of August, we're asking God to help us be good neighbors. And we're encouraging each other to be good neighbors. I don't know about you, but these weekly challenges have been very helpful for me. So let's go back and do a quick recap. At the beginning of this series, we learned to start with prayer. And man, I loved that experience of going on a prayer walk in our neighborhood. Uh, that really gave me a whole new perspective. And then we also made a point to learn the names of your eight closest neighbors. And from there, we look for opportunities to meet our neighbors, just get to know them and listen to their stories. 
Then last week, we were challenged to plan a Matthew party. And if you weren't here for that sermon, uh, a Matthew party can be as simple as inviting a neighbor over for dinner. But the specific challenge was to plan a block party, which involves a larger group of people. And if possible, we'd love to see those block parties happen over Labor Day weekend. But in addition to those individual challenges, we also have these church-wide events. And if you haven't yet participated in one of these, you still have a few more opportunities. Tomorrow night is when we're sending Kona ice trucks to those same neighborhoods where we had the prayer walks. And uh, if you weren't a part of a prayer walk, you're still invited to be a part of this. Uh, you can go to plumcreek.org neighbor. You can pick a neighborhood and then just be there tomorrow night. Be a friendly face and uh, just meet people. We've started to get the word out about this in our neighborhood. And it seems like people are excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I know I'm going to meet people that I haven't met before. So I encourage you to sign up for that. But then next week, we'd love to have a big crowd over in the Life Center for our clothes packing event with Master Provisions. And this is an easy one. It's right next door, and it's happening after both services next Sunday morning. And you can help provide clothes for people in need literally all around the world. So, a lot of opportunities. Let's do this. Let's learn the art of serving together. And you know what? When you serve others, God changes lives. But the first life He changes is yours. And that is an amazing blessing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the way, number one, that you loved us first. And I, I thank you also for the way you involve us in the work of your kingdom, that you have called us up to love others in the same way that you have loved us. But Lord, this is challenging. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable and Looking at those disciples, they were a little uncomfortable with what that meant to, to be a servant, serving others and, and receiving as well. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get past the, the times when we are uncomfortable, uh, to just reach out with humility, reach out uh, out of love, and to, to serve with perseverance. Lord, we pray by your Spirit, you will enable us to do this. And that through the process, we will lift you up, represent you well, and lead people to Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.